Chicago rebuild or not, it didn't have to be this way. Patrick Kane is the top U.S.-born point leader currently in the NHL. That up until his trade deal to the New York Rangers prior to this year's deadline was also a point total with the team that had drafted him, Chicago. The team he was a key three-time Stanley Cup champion member of in 2009-10, 2012-13, that year including being the Conn Smythe Trophy winner, and lastly in 2014-15. You can take time to look up in addition to the Conn Smythe Award, the extensive list Kane has to this point of his career, a first ballad future Hall of Famer one, and what his resume has accrued. And watching Chicago have such an elite playmaker who also could shoot like Kane Ken was a treat. For myself, who will opt against four NHL teams that I don't ever willingly want to watch, it now includes Kane's new team. Well, it's a tough hand to be dealt. The 34-year-old still has more gas in the tank to talk about potentially ending his career as the all-time U.S.-born NHL point leader. Also, the U.S.-born all-time assist leader, I would say, is in reach, as is 500 career goals for Kane, although the most goals all-time for a U.S.-born player might be the hardest to snag for Kane to get a complete trifecta. The points and assists all-time marks will be Kane's. Still, even for U.S.-born active goal scorers, Kane currently ranks first. At present, point-wise, Kane is second only to the all-time U.S.-born NHL point leader Mike Medano, Minnesota North Stars, Dallas, and 40 games played one season in Detroit, which I remind you, Detroit was a Central Division team at a time, Medano with 1,374 points. Even if NHL.com lists Brett Hall, by birthplace he's Canadian-born and excluded from qualifying for being the U.S. record holder, and anyone who cares knows that's a fact. Medano's point total and goals, with 561, are number one, respectively. Phil Housley, who played with Buffalo, Winnipeg Jets 1.0, St. Louis, Calgary, New Jersey, Washington, Chicago, and a single game with another NHL team we're not required to mention, at 894 assists, is the assist record holder. There is some solid Central Division games played representation on the all-time U.S.-born list. In fact, I like Medano atop the list for the same Central Division connection reason, and I felt if Medano were surpassed by Kane, it would have been fitting that Kane could have done it all with the same franchise, because it's a rarity. But now, the latter part won't happen. And no matter what Chicago's rebuild timeline is, and trust me, Chicago GM Kyle Davidson already messed up how to do a rebuild before his mishandling of Patrick Kane came around, and to frame it from a Chicago organization as they tried to to give Kane a three-time cup winner already the chance to win more cups storyline, or that it was the player getting to decide is not what this was. This was an active effort to force Patrick Kane to ask to move, expedited along by the Chicago organization and GM Kyle Davidson. It was unnecessary, and a team having that type of near-never-found championship winner elite talent that has won is the kind of player your next generation can get value learning from and playing with. There are teams that could use a three-time winner with a Con Smythe resume. That player is a keeper. That's the player. And when that player is playing still at an elite level, why are you trading him? 
70 games played, 21 goals, 34 assists, 55 points this year combined stats between Chicago and the New York Rangers, while Kane is listed day-to-day with a lower body injury at the time this comes out. That is Kane 49 goals away from career goal 500. And at 1,235 points, that is 140 points from having one more point than Modano's U.S. point total mark. It's 111 assists to be one more and surpass Housley's assists record. Of course, reminder, this doesn't include playoff points. Kane, at 132 points in 136 playoff games played, is near to point-per-game playoff production. Even though he wasn't given actual teammates to play with as a new GM made sure to trade entering prime age line mate, and not just one, but a lot of teammates, but especially Kane's close friend Alex to bring it away in the name of tearing it down to win the Connor Bedard sweepstakes, hopefully, for Chicago that is, when really the cuts should never run so deep to not have proven cup winning vets such as Chicago had the ability to keep. Also, a few near prime age building blocks that have learned from those winners to cycle the winning formula back to contention again. Get a high draft pick. Absolutely finish low. You don't burn the whole team entirely down. Chicago isn't a never won Arizona, and heck, they kept a young core to build the next gen around, even without a cup win. That Chicago, like it or not, had the benefit of having players still in the organization who had. GM Kyle Davidson's plan isn't a plan, and let me be clear. It's a major reason following Chicago, even in the divisional format, this year became irrelevant. Without connector player pieces, it's years and maybe decades before possibly seeing this plan that isn't a plan work. And hopefully any success is after the now GM loses his job because of the non-plan. It's like Chicago decided to be an early 2000 NHL expansion team, which they're not and also choosing to be. And I hope they don't get Connor Bedard because Chicago shouldn't be rewarded for Davidson's non-plan. You don't need any hockey acumen to tear down what was left of a championship team that the previous GM already had failed to transition correctly. But the one thing you could have done is kept Patrick Kane a Blackhawk for his career, that is already first ballad Hall of Fame entry written all over it, and explained why rebuild or not, Kane rewriting the U.S.-born NHL record books, all with one team, was more beneficial than some maybe pan-out draft assets are. A few things I am pretty certain do happen. Patrick Kane, when he does retire, has the most points and likely assists, and 500 goals. Two of those will be the most all-time ever by a U.S.-born player. His Chicago time will potentially be shared with whatever teams his career finishes with. And I half wondered, as absurd as it came to me, why an American three-time cup winner would want to sign, save, along with the timeline of a new ownership Ottawa team with his dynamic ex-Chicago linemate Alex DeBrinkett if he re-ups there this upcoming offseason and bring the cup experience to an up-and-coming team while Kane takes aim at the record books. Seeing DeBrinkett and Kane together is NHL worth watching. Wherever Kane, and maybe he stays in the Big Apple, wherever he plays, I definitely didn't buy into the Chicago GM Kyle Davidson's rebuild non-plan. No doubt about the teardown. 
It's an attempt I hope to unsuccessfully land Connor Bedard. And it's unwatchable, but mostly, let's be clear, it's trying to distance Chicago from itself and its recent past. Chicago has this next time we win will be some kind of better integrity plan. That is words and not an actual plan. Having the best U.S.-born hockey player in the game ever play his whole career in Chicago would have been worth something that Chicago went about its fastest under GM Davidson to undo. As if its own actual franchise history that exists and everyone who cares to cover it or has to. But more importantly, for all the Chicago market and the fans that have supported the team, win or lose, and have had to come to terms with the cost that winning has, don't have a new imaginary timeline of when being a fan started from. Just like the organization just can't restart as if it didn't exist prior. And the same people who will always hate the Blackhawks, regardless, still will. Kane could have stayed in Chicago. Chicago could still rebuild. And what Chicago is doing instead, I don't have to cover once this hockey season ends. That's a choice, too. It also explains why the remaining two podcasts for this written-off before it started Chicago season will focus on the last two Chicago players left to talk about. This one is for Patrick Kane. And the one coming up that will wrap up the season for Chicago is for Captain Jonathan Taves. Welcome to Central Division Hockey, the podcast. I'm your NHL outsider and Central Division expert, Tim Bigelow. The primary game recap is always put win or lose with the division team with the better record. Two things. Firstly, that means all the division games are in other podcasts and team segments because Chicago is last. Secondly, this episode is to catch up on the last of Patrick Kane's playing time in Chicago, but does extend post-trade deadline simply to make the game recaps near an even split over two episodes. This podcast will thus be a look back at Chicago's trade deadline moves. Chicago has gone post-All-Star break 10-17-2 since we last locked in. We won't recap all those games, but divvy it up approximately in half over to Chicago podcast. What is covered is the 7-8-1 out of the All-Star break till just past the trade deadline here. Included is a five-game winning streak Chicago went on. Chicago would be 22-37-5, 49 points in 64 games played record-wise to that point. Chicago currently is at 25-47-6, 56 points in 78 games played. The Blackhawks solidly sitting 8th in the Central Division all year, a 359 point percentage. In the NHL, only Columbus and Anaheim are as bad for Bedard record-wise. Here's Chicago's game recaps post-All-Star break starting February 7th, where we left off at, and again, approximately covering half in this Chicago edition 
and the remaining regular season games in Chicago's next edition to wrap the Black Hawks season up. A scoreless first is followed by a four-goal middle frame, Chicago's Jason Dickinson slot five-hole goal off the forecheck, and a pass by Patrick Kane from the corner and boards open scoring a minute 36 seconds in. An Anaheim net front rebound scramble goal a minute 25 seconds to the first midpoint is answered by Chicago's Seth Jones off a defensive zone face-off as he joins the rush to score a roof glove goal on a three-on-two with six minutes 51 seconds left. A Chicago defensive zone turnover off the Anaheim forecheck allows for a short side goal from the circle with four minutes 18 seconds left that has it 2-0 after two. Scoreless third and Anaheim going to the net backhanded tuck goal off the cycle. Two minutes 15 seconds into overtime is the winner. Chicago 3-2 home overtime loss. Chicago's 4-3 divisional home overtime win to Arizona. Game recap is in the Arizona It Was a Nice Chick Run edition. Chicago's 4-1 divisional road loss on a back-to-back to Winnipeg. Game recap is in the Winnipeg Chevrolet Day Offs Double Down edition. 4 minutes 38 seconds, Chicago's Connor Murphy after a clean hit fights Montreal's Josh Anderson. Montreal opens scoring with a point shot power play goal through a net front screen a minute 22 seconds to the first midpoint. With 9 minutes 19 seconds left, Chicago's Andreas Athanasius breakaway is stopped by a pad stop by former Blue Montreal goalie Jake Allen as Athanasius' momentum has him dislodge the post and the puck crosses the goal line but is immediately waved off. 1-0 Montreal after 20. Scoreless second. Montreal adds three goals in the third, started by former Jet. Montreal's Joe Armia's short side lifted goal in the paint, finishing off a three on two five minutes, 45 seconds in. A deep pinch far side goal from the circle, 53 seconds past the third's midpoint. And former Yoke Montreal's Christian Dvorak slot glove side roof goal off the rush to the cycle, 52 seconds after. Chicago's Reese Johnson has a fight with 43 seconds left in the third. Montreal goal Allen stops all 22 Chicago shots on goal to pick up the shutout. Chicago 4-0 road loss. A Toronto breakaway split the D forehand tuck goal open scoring 9 seconds into the first. Chicago's Sean Lafferty now a leaf. Backhanded tuck lifted goal off a defensive zone turnover 53 seconds after. Toronto then add two more goals. The first goal tipped by Chicago defenseman Connor Murphy in the slot five hole from the sidewall a minute 46 seconds to the first midpoint followed by a Toronto goal that was offside five seconds after the last goal. However, a Toronto off the cycle short side slot goal a minute 21 seconds after the first midpoint does count. Chicago down three to one after one. 46 seconds into the second, Chicago's Philip Karashev's far side one-timer slot goal on a three-on-three off the rush makes it a one-goal game. A Toronto four-check to slot goal, two minutes, 23 seconds to the game's midpoint, and a point-blast goal off the cycle through traffic with three minutes, 53 seconds left in the second. Chicago down 5-2 after two, scoreless third, Chicago 5-2 road loss. Chicago's Patrick Kane's far side goal on a slot feed from Max Domi, 44 seconds into the first open scoring. One to think Chicago after 20. An Ottawa net front screen and tip goal on the point shot off the cycle, 2 minutes 29 seconds to the game's midpoint, is the lone goal of the middle frame. One all through 40. Two minutes, 11 seconds into the third. The first of two Ottawa goals. A two-on-one five-hole backhander. The second, a backdoor off the rush net side tapping goal. Two minutes, 42 seconds after. Chicago Sean Lafferty's breakaway glove side shorthanded goal. 49 seconds after the third's midpoint. 
is followed by Chicago Kane's second goal, a two-on-one short side from the circle with three minutes, five seconds left in the third, three-all needing three-on-three OT. Two minutes, 52 seconds into overtime, Chicago's Andreas Athanasius, two-on-one turn, two-on-O with Tyler Johnson, finished in the paint for the overtime game-winning goal, Chicago 4-3 overtime road win. Chicago's Patrick Kane's far side goal from the circle using a Toronto D as a screen off the rush. 44 seconds past the first midpoint open scoring. A Toronto flyby tip power play goal. Two minutes, eight seconds later ties it. One all after one. In the second, it's a pair of goals that completes Kane's hat trick. His second goal, a curl and drag in the slot, put five hole. Seven minutes, 57 seconds into the middle frame, followed by the Hattie goal. Kane from below the goal line banks it off the Toronto a goalie and in short side 49 seconds past the game's midpoint toronto respond with a net front scramble goal with two minutes 14 seconds left in the second chicago 3-2 lead through two a toronto backhand tuck goal off the end boards beating out an icing that's a set play seven minutes 38 seconds into the third is answered by a pair of chicago goals in the back half of the third chicago's cole gutman's far side shelf goal on a two-on-one keep for his first nhl goal ends up the game-winning goal with 8 minutes 18 seconds left and Chicago's Max Domi's empty net goal from just inside the offensive zone blue line with a minute 16 seconds left. Completes the scoring. Chicago 5-3 home win. Vegas slot goal off the forecheck 3 minutes 26 seconds into the first open scoring. Chicago Cole Gutman's breakaway far side 5-hole goal after being sprung. Sideboards bank pass 2 minutes 39 seconds after the first midpoint. 1-0 after 20. Vegas score a far side over the pad under the blocker goal on a three-on-one keep starting with a neutral zone self-pass chip into the Chicago defensive zone for the lone tally of the middle frame a minute 32 seconds past the game's midpoint 2-1 Vegas through 40. Chicago's Tyler Johnson's top of circle one T blast far side power play goal with 55 seconds left in the third off of the offensive zone faceoff win evens the score at two forcing overtime. Vegas rings iron with a minute 21 seconds left in overtime and Chicago's Patrick Kane has a breakaway and buries a blast blocker side shelf from center slot but time had expired. Chicago end up getting the shootout winner for a 3-2 shootout home win. Chicago's Patrick Kane's last game as a Blackhawk is a 4-3 road win in Divisional Dallas. That game recap is in the Dallas more than nil edition. Chicago rookie goalie Jackson Stauber picked up his fifth win, backed up the next game, and was sent down to the minors upon Chicago goalie Alex Stalock's return from injury. Stauber had a 5-1-0 record during his call-up. Chicago David Gus, top of paint, tap in goal, his first NHL goal in his first NHL game on his first shot on goal at the young age of 29. A career minor leaguer, Orland Park, Illinois-born hometown player, open scoring 2 minutes 14 seconds into the first. His former Wild and Pred San Jose's Nick Benino's broken play rebound goal 2 minutes 3 seconds after. 5 seconds less a minute later, Chicago's Brett Senny's far side roof goal from the circle off the rush. Followed then by former Jet San Jose's Yevgeny Sveshnikov's far side slot goal, 52 seconds past the first midpoint, making the teams tied at two after one. Scoreless second, 16 seconds into the third, Chicago's Max Domi's partial breakaway far side shelf goal off the rush is his last goal as a Blackhawk, and a San Jose net front point shot tip goal with three minutes 43 seconds into the third looks to tie it. Chicago 
successful in an offside challenge to negate the goal. With 2 minutes 11 seconds left, a San Jose 6-on-5 point shot far side goal through traffic does count and force extra time, where a San Jose defensive zone turnover with 30 seconds left and a clear breakaway. Chicago's Max Domi can't beat former Wild San Jose goalie Kapil Kakinen to end it. Chicago take a 4-3 shootout road win that completes the five-game win streak Chicago had over this stretch. Forward Sean Lafferty, for trade-related reasons, didn't play. Traded with Lafferty, defenseman Jake McCabe did play. Chicago Tyler Johnson, short side roof power play goal from the circle, 5 minutes 35 seconds in, open scoring. Anaheim get two unanswered in the back half of the first. Anaheim far side off the rush goal on a crossing pass with 6 minutes 42 seconds left and a high slot tip power play goal off a top of circle setup pass with 46 seconds left. 2-1 Anaheim after 20. Chicago's Andreas Athanasius far side one-timer power play goal off the rush on a crossing pass from Max Domi and 3 minutes 11 seconds pass the game's midpoint matched by a late Anaheim off the rush slot goal after winning the board battle at the Chicago blue line with 18 seconds left in the second 3-2 Anaheim through 40 Anaheim add the long goal of the third a backhander off the crossbar outweighting Chicago goalie Peter Morazic who goes down typically early as he is off to do and in the paint it goes off of Domi and in to count 8 minutes 15 seconds into the final frame Chicago Chicago 4-2 road loss. After two healthy scratches, Chicago trades Patrick Kane. That night, Chicago plays to a 4-1 road loss to Divisional Arizona. Game recap is in the Arizona. It was a nice check run addition. Chicago's 5-2 home loss to Divisional Dallas. Game recap is in the Dallas more than nil edition. Domi was scratched for roster management reasons that turns out to be being traded to Dallas after the game. By the way, the Funeral Like Kane traded tribute night versus Dallas is all sorts of just fucking weird. The tribute for the player returning with a new team is an ever-present NHL cliche video staple. But a tribute for a player still playing elsewhere and chalk messages from fans in the parking lot only makes sense if the player was playing in Chicago that night. A playerless tribute is absurd, minus the actual player. But in the context of the Chicago team organization of over-trying at the wrong times, it's on Blackhawk brand. Chicago's 3-1 home loss to Divisional Nashville, game recap, is in the Nashville Seller Selly edition. This is Chicago's first post-trade deadline game. Chicago's Philip Kerr shoves, curl and drag over the pad under the glove, slot goal on a two-on-one keep with three minutes, 38 seconds left in the first, open scoring, one nothing Chicago after one. Two minutes into the second, Chicago Seth Jones deep pinch to the slot, one-timer lifted goal is his first with the second goal, far side shelf from the dot off the rush on a cross-seam pass, three minutes, 29 seconds after. Chicago's Jason Dickinson's high slot goal, 31 seconds past the game's midpoint off the rush to the cycle, completes a three-goal Chicago middle frame, 4-0 Chicago after two. Chicago's Lucas Reichel's breakaway backhand tuck goal, 3 minutes 18 seconds into the third on a stretch pass, is a lone tally of the final period. Chicago goalie Alex Stalock stops all 35 Ottawa shots on goal for his second shutout of the season, Chicago 5-0 home win. This was the return for former Blackhawk Ottawa's Alex Dabrinkit to Chicago, who had the customary first period timeout highlight tribute video. 
deservedly, that is, the Brinkett was in the building and actually playing, he could wave and acknowledge the crowd after it was shown. Chicago's Taylor Radish has two goals late in the first period, an off-the-rush cross-seam pass lifted one-timer power play goal with four minutes, nine seconds left to open scoring. The second goal put short side from the low circle off the cycle two minutes, seven seconds after. Chicago goalie Alex Stalock closes the wickets on a penalty shot awarded to Detroit's Dylan Larkin with 42 seconds left in the first, 2-0 Chicago after 20. Two minutes, 53 seconds into the second, former blue defenseman Detroit's Jake Wallman's point shot with a stutter step and put roof glove goal gets the first of two Detroit goals in the middle frame. A late Detroit top a paint skate to stick power play goal from the net side bumper backhanded through the crease pass with a minute 26 seconds left in the second the other beauty. Tied at 2 through 40. In the third, Chicago's Joey Anderson's far side post and in goal from the circle off an offensive zone faceoff win. Six minutes, 10 seconds put Chicago up until Detroit answer back with a pair in the back half. A Detroit point shot net front deflection goal off the cycle with seven minutes, 24 seconds left in the third ties it before former Blackhawk Detroit's Dominique Kubelik's spin and fire from the inside circle short side goal off a Detroit offensive zone faceoff win with Four minutes, seven seconds left, ends up the winner. Chicago, 4-3, road loss. Chicago goalie Alex Stalock was required to make 20 more saves, however, allowing one more goal against. He takes the loss compared to former blue Detroit goalie Billy Huso, who collected the win. This gets us up to March 8th with Chicago's games, and we'll pause the game recaps there and put the rest in the next Chicago podcast. Simply, factory in game recaps versus divisional teams that are in other editions, it was near to an even split. Possible recaps that next Chicago look will have them all completed for the regular season. February 28th was when Chicago dealt Patrick Kane to the New York Rangers with left-hand defense prospect Cooper Zach, 24 years old. Chicago received the 2023 conditional second round pick. It upgrades in the event to a top 10 projected first in 2024 if the New York Rangers make the Eastern Conference final. With all compliments to Cap Friendly for a lot of the data provided going the rest of the way out of the pod, and please read the fine print, terms and conditions do apply, a 2023 second and a 2025 fourth round is the Kane Chicago return. Chicago additionally received a couple of castoffs. 29 year old right hand defenseman Andy Walniski, who over three seasons has played 46 games, played for Anaheim at the NHL level, the team that drafted him, but has been mostly a career AHLer. Arizona sent the signing rights for right hand defenseman Vili Sariarvi, 25 year old, who's never played in North America. The Chicago deals prior begin February 22nd in obtaining right-hand defenseman Nikita Zaitsev, 31 years old, and his $4.5 million contract that has an additional year term. Zaitsev had fallen out of favor in Ottawa, five assists in 28 games played this season, and wanted to be moved. But this, my friends, was also the cash-out-for-cash-in contract of former Yote left-hand defenseman Jacob Chikrin's $4.6 million per with term that Ottawa added 
at the trade deadline. Chicago, for doing this for Ottawa, also received a 2023 second and a 2026 fourth in Ottawa future considerations. It'd be great if a new NHL GM one day took over, looked up all these trade deals, and started calling other GMs asking to cash in on prior future considerations. That really essentially means no return. Chicago, February 23rd, makes a minor league deal getting right wing, right hand defense. Hunter Drew, 24 years old, who has two NHL games played, while Anaheim received left-hand defenseman Joshua Slavin, same age, and his 15 NHL game-played resume in return. February 26, Chicago swaps defenseman acquiring left-hand defenseman Andreas Englund, 27 years old, a D that has never solidified himself as a bottom-pairing playable NHL option, 77 career NHL games played. Colorado reacquires vet left-hand defenseman Jack Johnson, who Chicago signed to a one-year deal. The 36-year-old was a member of the Avs chip team last year. My memory of England's Colorado time for a Chicago scouting report was this year's game in Carolina early November. Colorado goalie Pavel Francois is getting fucking shell-shocked and standing on his head. Carolina at home ends the game with a 48-15 shot on goal advantage, yet only tie the game as Francois plays the puck behind his net while getting run over by England. And for the life of me, what England is doing at that moment, who knows? But it creates the turnover that Carolina gets the game-tying goal on. Colorado end up winning in overtime, but if not for England's play and against the deserve to win O'Meter in regulation odds, Colorado probably would have won in regulation. Let's say Double J, albeit older to me, has more playable value right now still than England has shown he does at the NHL level. I don't consider England to be in his prime years and an everyday NHL capable bottom pair guy. It's a good deal for Colorado. Short term, long term, any term. Let's crack open a coal can, celebrate that at least when it comes to the GM Kyles. Davidson ends up on the better end of this deal. While I think Chicago should have got a first for taking goalie Peter Mrazek off Toronto's hands at the 2022 draft, instead settling for a second, in a way, it has led to Chicago getting a guaranteed top 5 2023 pick because whose poor play backstopping Chicago this year has been more pivotal to the basement than goalie Mrazek has been. February 27, the Kyles make another deal. Chicago's Kyle sends left-shooting-handed defenseman Jake McCabe, 29 years old, who, although oft injured, was signed by Chicago's old regime to a four-year, four-million deal of a head-scratcher of a deal. Chicago having retained 50% in dealing him away and reasonably consistent play this year by McCabe at $2 million per, that's proper valuation NHL playable value for a five-spot D depth guy on a good team or a team that thinks it's good, or he is now. And it's Sam Lafferty, 28 years old, who somehow had a career year once Chicago took center Jason Dickinson off of Vancouver's hands. 
Lafferty, 10 goals, 21 points in 51 games played with Chicago. That's third line value. And those two players were part of the reason a year ago Chicago underperformed while trying to be good. You can go back and listen. The pair gone into my version of the witness protection team program because I try to avoid watching that overhyped first round won't win it in my lifetime team. Chicago gets a 2025 first top 10 protected and a 2026 second. All day I'm making that deal. However, Chicago also gets Joey Anderson, 24, near entering his prime years, who has three goals, five points, and 19 games played with Chicago now, and will have more playable value to me than Lafferty in the present will. The other toss in forward, Pavel Gogolev, Chicago terminated his contract March the 9th. Those are the deals prior to Kaner's Rangers getting done. As well, Chicago nabbed AHLers Anders Bjork and Maxim Golod in separate deals while sending never quite stuck in the NHL but good AHLer forward Dylan Sakura to Anaheim March the 2nd. AHLer Austin Wagner added March 3rd in a deal with LA. Chicago's last big deal was also March the 2nd, the day prior to Wagner being added as the Blackhawks take buried in the American Hockey League Dallas goalie Anton Hudobin's $2.2 million at two-thirds buried contract cost for the 36-year-old and get a 2025 second to deal away pending unrestricted free agent signed to a one-year deal forward Max Domi, 28 years old, who respectively I said in the Dallas Trade Deadline podcast not just scored 18 goals, 31 assists, 49 points in 60 games played in Chicago and now has reached 20 goals in the regular season for only the second time in his career. Domi showed a maturity in Chicago that made him with his production, tradable. We'll talk about current Chicago player seasons in this edition, but we'll do that in the next look and wrap-up of Chicago. Assessing Chicago GM Davidson's deadline, Kane's return versus Kane at full health contributing in a rebuild is underwhelming. Factor, due to ongoing long COVID health issues, Captain Jonathan Taves couldn't be dealt. That in place saw Chicago's forward one-year unrestricted free agent Max Domi stand out being able to be dealt. Makes it a wash because some had both moving on. However, Taves not being dealt did allow Chicago to retain salary to be able to deal defenseman Jake McCabe with Lafferty, and that deal was a win for the Chicago GM. Finally, with Patrick Kane, you must retain salary to have traded him as Chicago did, but the smarter investment would have been to have retained the player and resigned him. Chicago's division head-to-head record 6-18-1. Of Chicago's remaining games, although more Chicago games need to be caught up on, only one more divisional game versus Minnesota is left to be played. Here's presently what remains for Chicago this regular season. Four more games tonight, Saturday in Seattle. Home to divisional Minnesota. The next night in Pittsburgh to finish at home versus Philadelphia. Next up on the podcast, the division title is remaining undecided. I will try to get a trio pod of Colorado Dow and Minnesota up as well. We're going to be catching up on some more St. Louis and goalie Jordan Bennington early next week as well. Thanks for listening.